0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Welcome to Sportbox on this Monday morning, everybody. I'm Jeff Cutmore. We are live from the Houses of Parliament. And you also have Karen Cho, of course, in our London studio. Let's get you into your headlines this hour. London and the UK increasingly isolated as countries around the world decide to impose travel bans against travellers from the UK, with most of Europe restricting access amid spiking cases of the new virus strain. Meanwhile, the British government warns the tough tier four measures across London and Southeast England could stay in place until vaccinations are widely available, as UK cases surge in a one-day record.
1: Sterling stumbles on the Christmas U-turn, while Brexit talks put more pressure on the pound as negotiations with the EU fail to make progress on an exit deal. And a stimulus deal sealed, Congress has given an extra day to approve a $900 billion rescue package after lawmakers green the agreement ending months of deadlock.
0: At long last, we have the bipartisan breakthrough the country has needed. Now we need to promptly finalize text, avoid any last-minute obstacles, and cooperate to move this legislation through both chambers.
1: The UK government has warned the harsh new restrictions in London across South East England could be in place for months. Prime Minister Boris Johnson imposed tier four measures on Sunday morning, closing all non-essential shops and curbing travel in and out of the area. He also cancelled plans for more relaxed measures over the holiday period, limiting visits between households outside Tier 4 areas to only on Christmas Day. A quick look at what we're seeing on Sterling as a result. uh, We saw a plunge of about 1.2% on the trade uh, below the 134 handle. As you can see, 133, 61, 62 roughly where we are trading at this point on the the, uh, Sterling trade. Let's get out to Jeff a little bit more on this. Jeff, it was quite a U-turn on the weekend where we saw people effectively given just hours notice to go out and get their Christmas shopping done before we were plunged into tier four restrictions and Christmas was cancelled for many.
0: Absolutely Karen this is as grim as it gets for many people who were making plans of course to travel this week to meet up with family and friends and to spend this important season together but Clearly, the government feels that the state of COVID infections now means it's impossible to do that. Over the weekend, we had this announcement about moving to Tier 4, which, of course, uh, changes a lot of people's plans. Uh, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, I think, added fuel to the fire over the weekend after the announcement, suggesting that at this point the COVID infection is out of control. Those were his Exact words, and of course, we now have this apparently more infectious strain of the virus which is carving its way through the southeast of England. So Boris Johnson making the inevitable decision that the lockdown has to be even tighter. There are many who are critical of him on social media over the weekend, suggesting that there's been dithering and indecision on the part of this government and Boris Johnson specifically. But as cases climbed through 35,000 on Saturday, it would seem that the government clearly felt it had no choice. Let's hear what the Prime Minister had to say. When the science changes, we must change our response. And when the virus changes its method of attack, we must change our method of defence. And as your Prime Minister, I sincerely believe there is no alternative open to me. Without action, the evidence suggests that infections would soar, hospitals would become overwhelmed and many thousands more would lose their lives. So, of course, at a personal level, this is devastating for many people and many families. But also, from the perspective of the economy, Karen, this is devastating for many retailers who would have done up to 50% of their year's business in these last few days before Christmas. It's been an incredibly tough year, as you know. We've had nine months of relentless pain around this COVID vaccine, And this just caps off what has been a dreadful year. And the fact that Matt Hancock, the health secretary, is talking about no real relief on these lockdowns until ultimately the vaccinations become more ubiquitous, more widespread. It just adds another layer of uncertainty for the business community and for those who are trying to get back to some semblance of normal life. We do have a COBRA meeting today. This is the special gathering of security officials. That'll happen around 10 a.m. UK time. We're obviously looking for any further guidance on how the government intends to finesse this lockdown, whether it's going to relieve the pressure on the throat of some businesses by creating special circumstances in which they can operate, but with the mounting fears about just how increasingly infectious this new strain of the virus seems to be, I would imagine it's quite unlikely we will get very much lifting of current restrictions. Uh, And of course, you know, to cap it all off, Karen, for those companies who are trying to figure out what 2021 is going to look like, we have blown past this uh, Brexit deadline that the European Parliament tried to set for Sunday to be the final day for some form of Brexit agreement and now we have uh, vehicles stacking up in Kent of course because the French have now closed their border as have many other countries around Europe as they become concerned about this new strain. Let's not get overly carried away of course we know that viruses mutate the flu virus mutates cold viruses mutate it's inevitable that this is going to happen I think the important question now is do the scientists the immunologists have a good sense of just how much more infectious this new strain is how much more deadly it is and how much Uh, More people need to shield themselves because do you need the same amount of virus load to to get the infection as we saw with the previous strain doing the rounds? Karen.
1: Jeff, a couple of points here. I think we're all digesting this latest variant and what it means. There was some interesting comments from the the chief scientific advisor for the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed effort over the weekend, uh, effectively saying that the UK mutation was very unlikely to be resistant to current vaccines. That was the good news, but they did say they couldn't exclude it. So we still don't know yet the impact on the vaccines that have been rolled out. But uh, when we circle back to the timing now, we're under the impression that by April next year, we should see that vaccine rolled out to a lot across the population. It should be widely available. But still, we're only really talking about a couple of vaccines We're waiting on the AstraZeneca one. And I think that's quite significant because we rewind back to early this year when we had a lockdown and we are effectively in another lockdown now. We saw the economic impact of of those draconian measures on business. So if we're now talking about uh, months of restrictions and and we're not getting any confirmation at this point where we're talking about weeks, a month or a couple of months now, then you've got to say the economic impact will be fairly strong this time round too, Jeff.
0: No, absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, the um, I suppose if you're if you're looking for any silver lining in the cloud, I guess it's the fact that you know, we've seen this before. So we've, we're now effectively witnessing, I think, a a third uh, significant lockdown. And this one seems to be more widespread, and even more uh, draconian, in a sense, than those we've seen previously, barring the first one. But at least we do understand the context. And I think we, we do understand the implications. So, from that perspective, hopefully the government can be um, a little cleverer about the way the lockdown is ultimately imposed. And I guess we'll have to wait until we get some more details from this COBRA meeting and ongoing ministerial meetings to see if there are ways in which they can perhaps adjust the lockdown as it's currently planned, just to ease some of the pressure on businesses. I I think that maybe is is the optimistic view, um, but we know the consequences of not finding a way through the woods on this are going to be devastating if we are ultimately talking about April or May. And April or May, I think, at, at this time, seems very optimistic given the current pace of vaccinations what did they achieve in the first week something near near 140,000. well at that pace it's going to take you a very long time to get anywhere near uh so-called herd immunity if we're already talking about at least 50 to 60 percent of the population being vaccinated so i suspect we may get a bit more detail out of this cobra meeting about how people can shield how the vulnerable Can shield and maybe there'll be an adjustment to the way this uh, lockdown works in that people will be encouraged to continue going about their working lives and hopefully we'll find a way of keeping some of the shops open but the challenge as you say Karen is the new strain We need to know more about how it operates and how difficult it's going to be having people in the same space inside a store or inside a shop, uh, inside a a cafe, if ultimately the face masks, as we know, don't actually prevent you from um, inhaling uh, the vaccine. Um, If this new infectious strain is more virulent and more able to operate at wider distances, then the government is going to have to do a very serious rethink of these uh, lockdown procedures. Back to you. Yes,
1: Jeff, and one of the big points, too, what the markets do today, because as we have some of that optimism around the vaccine now priced into, say, even the FTSE, whether the market here can withstand some of the negativity, and we've climbed a long way to the the 6,500 level despite Brexit uncertainty. We've seen over the course of time various jurisdictions being hit based on how the pandemic is folding in that particular part of the world. So we'll watch the FTSE closely today, but also across in Europe and whether the variant dollars spread, whether the measures have been quick enough to shut down the borders or whether there's also going to be a problem across Europe. So uh, big ramifications for the market potentially. We're going to get more insight into the UK's new virus strain when we speak with Danny Altman, the professor of immunology at the Imperial College London later this hour. So stay tuned for that conversation. A number of European countries have banned travel from the UK to prevent the spread of the new coronavirus variant. Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, Austria and Germany have all suspended flights in and out of Britain. France has suspended all travel links, including freight lorries, for 48 hours. The port of Dover and the Eurotunnel are both closed. A meeting is being held this morning to discuss a more coordinated response among EU members. Netherlands Health Minister Hugo de Jonger explained the reasoning behind the decision.
0: It looks like a variant of the virus occurring in England It may be spreading faster than expected according to some news. That is, of course, cause for concern. That's a reason to take a closer look and to ensure with these measures that this mutation variant doesn't come to the Netherlands.
1: let's get out to charlotte for more charlotte was stunning as people were desperate to keep their christmas plans alive they're effectively heading for the exit over the weekend to airports across the uk to train stations but i don't know if many people had time to think about the ramifications of spreading the new variant because it was very new news coming to light over the weekend no, that's right.
2: The exodus, um, particular from London, for example, really started uh, on Saturday to head to the continent. A lot of French citizens living here, etc. So it'd be a question there of whether this variant may have already gone to the continent. But really, this weekend, when the Netherlands yesterday, the Netherlands and Belgium were the first countries to say that they would stop all transport from the UK and shut the borders from the UK. Really, these comments from Matt Hancock, the health secretary, talking about this new strain being out of control, really rang some alarm bells on the continent. So then, we heard that in the afternoon, President Macron, who is himself self-isolating while being sick with COVID-19 at the moment, had a call with uh, Chancellor Merkel in the afternoon as well as Ursula von der Leyen, uh, the president of the commission. Then France decided to hold an emergency cabinet meeting in the afternoon to talk about the situation and then announced that for 48 hours at least, all the borders with the UK would be shut, whether it's by road, air, sea or rail. And they said this 48 hour window will allow uh, the country to put in place some tests and some. robust protocols and also get some more information on this new strain uh, to allow to restart traffic potentially then they also want to have a coordinated response on an EU level and you mentioned there is this meeting today at 11 CET between European countries to come up with a protocol and a response to this situation that we heard from the transport minister, French transport minister, Mr Gibari, speaking last night of the, after the announcement uh, that we know for the moment very little from this virus but they insisted that at the moment they see correlation, but not necessarily causality between the rapid expansion of uh, this new strain and whether it was intrinsic to the quality of this virus. they're waiting for information. They're in close contact with the British authorities uh, on this point. So now remember that all this is happening, of course, as a lot of European countries have put a lot of restrictions into place and basically a lot of lockdowns as well uh, before Christmas, whether it's Italy, Germany, the Netherlands are very tough restrictions, struggling with their second wave. France themselves lifted some restrictions last week but they have numbers that are still very high 17,000 new COVID cases over the weekend on Saturday uh, three times the number they were hoping to reach at this time of the year and they're worried about the impact of Christmas and people getting together a bit of a Thanksgiving effect that we saw in the US and the number of cases going up rapidly after people getting together so they are nervously looking at situation this new strength uh, uh, also raising a lot of questions of th- whether this virus is more transmissible now. So So as you mentioned, the port of Dover has shut down yesterday after France closed their borders. Of course, we saw you have 10,000 lorries about every day that transit through that point. And we saw already long queues at the port of Dover uh, over the past recent days because of pre-Brexit stockpiling, it was a bit bit of a Christmas rush and it's really a question now what strains will be on uh, the supply chain in the UK. So some real questions here, so we hope to hear some more from uh, European countries, what can be put in place in order to reopen that borders hopefully in the next few days, guys.
1: Charlotte, thank you very much for rounding out the story for us. Well, coming up on the show, Congress agrees to an 11th hour stimulus deal, narrowly avoiding a government shutdown. More details after the break and for plenty more on the new UK virus restrictions and what they mean for travel across Europe over the holiday period, you can check out the Quark Box podcast. Congress has finally agreed on a $900 billion stimulus package after several months of failed talks. The bill will provide direct payments and unemployment aid to millions of Americans impacted by the pandemic. The final sticking point in the negotiations centered on the Federal Reserve's lending powers with Democrats agreeing to effectively end the Fed's CARES Act and stop it from being restarted without congressional approval. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell stressed Congress would now aim to swiftly get the bill approved later today and signed by President Trump.
0: At long last, we have the bipartisan breakthrough the country has needed. Now we need to promptly finalize text, avoid any last-minute obstacles, and cooperate to move this legislation through both chambers.
1: Meanwhile, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says he welcomes the bill, even if the final sum is below what his party was aiming for.
0: Now, while this bill is far from perfect, nor is it the bill that we would pass if Democrats had a majority in the Senate, it is a strong shot in the arm to help American families weather the
2: storm.
1: So it would be the second largest uh, stimulus package in U.S. history if we proceed from here. And uh, this is how the markets are shaping up, uh, green across the board Slim numbers though we're watching at this stage, but still inclined positive as the market looks to pick up on some of these positive developments around stimulus. And keep in mind where we traveled in the Friday session, lots of fresh intraday records notched up. The Dow, for instance, a fresh all-time high is what we witnessed in session. The 19th peak that we've had for 2020, also fresh intraday highs, the 35th time uh, that we've seen that for 2020 on the S&P 500 before eventually flipping into negative territory. A little bit of red on the boards as we saw. Uh, Some selling take place in Apple that was one of the weak stocks for the major markets, but also Home Depot for the Dow. But uh, clearly a lot of challenges still around coronavirus as we waited out for vaccines. Well, meantime, U.S. uh, banks will be able to resume share buybacks from the beginning of next year, subject to strict conditions following the Federal Reserve's second round of stress tests. But dividends and repurchases will remain capped based on this year's income this after the Fed projected America's lenders would collectively lose some $600 billion under its stress test scenarios, but still have enough capital built up to withstand a severe downturn. A quick look at some of the big banks and how they traded in after hours. You saw, for instance, JP Morgan, 5.8% in the green, 5% higher for Sachs and Citi. Wells, a little bit lower than that, but still firming by 3.3%. Let's get some thoughts from David Neuhauser, who joins us now, managing partner of Livermore Partners. David, thank you very much for jumping in on the call today to talk about what we're seeing in the United States around these dividend payments. It feels as though the Fed is still cautious around handing out cash to shareholders for many of these lenders, given we're not through the crisis yet. What did you make of the commentary?
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, look, I think the, the overall, I think the uh, outlook looks pretty uh pretty good at this point. I mean, I think the commentary was strong. It shows that banks, for the most part, have been able to get through the current uh, downtrend and the pandemic with strong capital buffers, as you see. So I think the the way you look at it, though, is they looked at different stress test uh, measurements, especially in terms of a sharp, uh, sudden contraction. And they also looked at a shallower, longer-dated contraction I think the one big question you got to look at is what if this contraction is deeper and sharp for a longer period of time and what effects would that have on, on the balance sheets of a lot of these banks?
1: You sounded a bit like uh, Lyle Brainard, who is one of the, the hawks on, on the board concerned about the Fed being too lenient at this stage. You know, we are seeing in the UK now a new variant of COVID, a new strain. We're still, of course, waiting for for vaccines to take hold and more restrictions across the economy. What do you make of the potential for the banks, even though they have stockpiled a lot of provisions just in case there is some form of an extended crisis now? Have they got enough cash on balance sheet at this point?
3: Yeah, I would say, Karen, today looks like they do. So I think, you know, the way... Uh, the market's being uh, looked at is that banks have been sort of the value play of 2020 and even the past few years, as you know, uh, even for Livermore, we've always looked at some of the smaller banks as being really good value and the potential is you'd see a lot of consolidation and merger as you need to see. I think uh, 2020 has showed you that the banks, uh, you know, buffering their balance sheets for the past number of years has really built a strong force and they've been able to withstand a lot of the shocks of the system. I think the biggest question is what you just described is what if uh, COVID lasts a lot longer than people uh, believe and it takes uh, longer to get through uh, both the current strain and then the potential new strain even of COVID uh, in the UK, what ultimately uh, happens to these buffers over a longer period of time uh, if, there's, if there is uh, further suffering?
0: David, good morning. It's Jeff outside Westminster. Uh, As I look at generally your arguments, you do believe in the reflation for next year. And you've talked about wanting to own banks on a valuation argument. And I know that you're also interested in industrials and materials. But energy is the one that piqued my interest. Are you looking at buying traditional energy around oil Or are you talking about energy as it relates to ESG and perhaps wind farms and solar? Where do you think the best opportunity is at the moment?
3: Yeah, great great question, Jeff. I mean, I think as I've described with you uh, for several years, you know, I look at energy. uh, We're looking for value, right? So Livermore is a value-based hedge fund. We're looking at situations in which we think there's discounts to big discounts to their NAV. Uh, I am looking at sort of those international, smaller uh, plays. Uh, Obviously, we have a big position, a company called Jade Stone, which is listed in London, which is one of those type of companies we look for, something that generates a lot of free cash flow, growth in Asian uh, oil demand and the likes. I think other areas of the globe, too, internationally, both some of the the, uh, uh, companies in Norway and some of the other smaller oil companies in London, those are where I see a lot of potential value. And it's really... It's really both uh, uh, looking at from a valuation standpoint and what they can uh, derive in terms of a return, even with $50 Brent and the future of uh, oil, given all the lack of investment over the past few years. And also, as you described with ESG, is looking at the banks and seeing them pulling back from lending and you're seeing more and more of that happening and occurring. So as that occurs, I think you look for the ones that could generate some cash and uh, increased production in, in a situation in which looks pretty dire overall for most of, of the oil sector.
0: Uh, and David, you've talked about the possibility of a more significant pullback in share prices based on uh, a weaker growth glide path, but you called that an outlier view at this moment. Um, how outlier exactly are we talking? What, what sort of odds would you give... Um, a a breach of the consensus view of reflation and opportunity to something that looks more like um, economic morass and a 10 to 20 percent pullback in share prices.
3: Yeah. So, Jeff, I would say, you know, look at some of the headlines you're seeing today, right, with this potential new new strain of covid in the UK. I mean, you're seeing oil prices fall. You're seeing gold prices uh, run up twenty dollars announced. I mean, those are the kind of things that are more of that risk off trade, which has not occurred in the past nine months since March. You've had this trajectory of the market, which has been straight up. So I think the consensus is now with vaccine uh, deployment coming out in early 2021 is that the people think that the world's going to go right back to normal uh, by sometime in late summer, fall. I think if that consensus is wrong, uh then I think there's a lot more downside to the market. And the reason why you'd see that is you'd actually see expectations, fundamentals get caught up uh with expectations. And at this point, I would say expectations are built in that uh you know world's coming back to normal very quickly. But I would say it's about a 30% chance or forty percent chance even that uh people find out sooner than or later that fundamentals don't um uh, you know aren't holding the market where it is today it's really speculation that's holding the market
1: david can i get some direction on the dollar because you were discussing that the fall in the dollar with us earlier this year and and calling some dollar weakness so we've now had a further stimulus uh, plan that has been agreed but needs to be voted on what does that mean for dollar direction from here
3: yeah well i just think it shows more expansion of uh you know fiscal policy and you're seeing more balance sheets that are expanding uh, more and more, you're seeing global debts, something like $277 trillion in 2020. And I think just that expansion of, of monetary and fiscal policies ultimately just devaluing the dollar and, and really hurting the purchasing power of the consumer. And ultimately, that's going to lead to either uh, you know uh, increased uh, inflation or even, I think, more than likely, you could see stagflation similar to the 1970s. And that's another, I think, trigger when we talk about a stock market correction that could exceed, you know, 20 percent from these levels. It's something out of the norm that uh, the market doesn't see, because typically uh, the market today is saying that uh, inflation is going to be you know, below trend still for some time to come, even with all the the global uh, uh, debt uh, increase and the expansion of the monetary system. So I think the, the way you look at it is if you do see inflation uh, occur, Uh, then I think ultimately the market's gonna have a a pretty uh, nasty fall.
1: David, I have got to ask you about Tesla as well. It parked itself on the S&P 500 today, effectively forcing about $80 billion worth of uh, the electric car makers' shares to be potentially picked up by some of the funds adjusting portfolios. Stocks rallied about 700% of this year. You've had a bear narrative on this stock for a while. What are investors in the market effectively being forced to hold in their portfolios now?
3: Yeah, so that's very interesting how it, at this particular point in time, like you're saying, as you're seeing bubbles form in, in the, the markets and the trajectory of you know coming out of COVID and, and here you are, you have an electric car company, which is up like 800% this year, even though fundamentals for the company don't suggest anything close to it. And it's trading at something like 200 times forward earnings. And I think the multiples, like uh, you know, if you include every, every current uh, OEM out there, GM, fiat and others combined, you equate to Tesla's market cap. So I think this is just one of those dynamics of the current bull market, that and most likely Bitcoin. And, you know, time will tell ultimately to see who's right if fundamentals
0: actually do matter. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.